It's hard to believe I've been in the spoiler room for three years, yet here we are. As I look at my crew, I begin to think about what to do for our third special series of episodes. Then I look at the calendar and realize it's the third week of the month. And I look down at my drink and realize it's the third drink I've had today. After a moment, it hits me like a fist of John Wick. Everyone talks about the first film, but what about the third film in a franchise? So, pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in to our third special series of episodes I like to call Third Time's a Charm. And welcome to the Spoiler Room. Yes, the third time's a charm episode is upon us once again, and it's Badass Women Month, so we're killing two birds with one stone and taking a look at the third film in the Resident Evil franchise, that is Resident Evil Extinction. And tonight, I've got a couple of crew members who are going to sit down and talk about this apocalyptic film, well, post-apocalyptic anyway. And first off, she's back here once again. Uh, She just couldn't get enough, and it is the diva of the spoiler room it is dawn hello dawn hello mark good evening gentlemen glad to have you on another badass women episode and next to dawn is the bfd himself he is the one the only mr glenn bittner hello glenn hi (laughs) you ready to talk some resident evil extinction only because i said i would (laughs) (laughs) i mean I mean, yes. Yes, and of course. That, that, that's why we love you, Glenn. That's why we love you. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, folks, as I said, we are talking about Resident Evil Extinction from 2007, directed by Russell Mulcahy. sample of her blood then get rid of that these clones are not working the original alice is the key find her then we can return to the surface sorry about this stevie It really is the end of the world. What happened to it? Because you must have taken it back. We lost half of the convoy. Pretty soon there'll be more of us dead than alive. Okay, spread out. Look for anything of use. Gas, food, ammo. You know the drill. going on. Since feeding on infected flesh. My senses have detected Alice. Her powers appear to have grown at a geometric rate. I can have a strike team ready within the hour. Everyone is scared. Good thing we like a challenge. Make sure she's dead. I'm coming for you. Shut her down. Oh. We fought the infection. 
survived the apocalypse. And now, we face extinction. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, yes, it's the third film where we have uh, the survivors of the Raccoon City catastrophe traveling across the Nevada desert, hoping to make it to Alaska. Alice ends up joining up with the caravan, and uh, their fight against the evil Umbrella Corporation continues. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much basically the, the film. Uh, <laughs> before I give my thoughts on it, uh, let's go first to Dawn. Dawn, your initial feelings with Resident Evil Extinction. I actually, I actually really like this film. It's not a great film. It's not a, it's not necessarily, necessarily uh, huge in character development. Um, but it is the next logical step in in the franchise. I mean, the first movie was pretty much the prequel to the game, showing how Alice got to the point uh, where she's you know battling Umbrella and the zombies. And then the second movie was kind of happening during, at least at that time, that part of the game. And then Extinction is once the world has ended essentially and and they're surviving and alice is she already knows that she has powers she already knows that she's a danger and it's just kind of the world has moved on i don't know i thought it was handled pretty well and uh from your introduction glenn how do you how did you feel about resident evil extinction it's the third movie in the franchise <laughs> Well, um, it, it has parts I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some some of the action scenes, some of them are done very very well, um, and how some of the story progresses is fine. There's there's some nitpicky stuff that issues that I have with it. I'll get into later, and it's it's kind of along the lines of the the same types of things I have that I have problems with, like the TV show Walking Dead and a lot of other things where it's the we need to force something to happen mm-hmm. and it's going to be ridiculous and not make sense, but we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's definitely the moment when you get near uh, about two thirds of the way into this film where there's a specific moment, which we will touch on um, that. You're just like, eh? <laughs> for me, I look at this as like a cross between Day of the Dead and Damnation Alley. <laughs> really? <laughs> sort of along that line. Yeah, I, I, I like this. This is my favorite of the franchise, actually. I really enjoy this. Now, I have to put a caveat because by now with this one, they've completely abandoned the film. In the first, uh, the video game, in the first one they pretty much ticked off every fanboy uh, because they're all like who the hell is alice um and where's the creepy house you know <laughs> what, what are we doing in the high what what the hell uh and that was because anderson uh who directed the first one said he didn't like um 
video game movie adaptations of video games because they always disappointed the fans. So they didn't even try to <laughs> with the first one do the do the video game. But then in the second one, you do get them trying to do the video game because you get uh, Valentine Jill Valentine in there looking like Jill Valentine, you know, and and you actually get characters from the video game in in number two and the setting is raccoon city and that one almost felt a little more like fan service where they combined the first uh, the second and third video games because you get nemesis in there as well who was in resident evil 3 and then in this there's this one which has nothing to do with any of the video games from my uh, from what i've i've played whatsoever really um but yeah this is my favorite one and out of them i enjoy it for a number of reasons i i agree i I like the action scenes i like where they went with the story uh for the most part the ending that third act i was like okay now we're just setting up for another movie um but up until the point where she gets to uh the umbrella hive i'm like i'm really down with it and then as she traverses into the hive and stuff and they get into more of the things i'm like enjoying it a little bit less but overall yeah extinction is my favorite now i'm going to offer you an alternative idea of why this movie appeals to you because um it may remind you of damnation alley and um day of the dead but it's also a spaghetti western mad max movie Yes, I was also going to say Mad Max. You are absolutely right. It is totally, it is like this amalgamation of your uh, post-apocalyptic films. It does uh-huh. definitely, especially the first part with the convoy, and that that is total, you're just like, wow, you guys aren't even trying to hide the fact that you're, you're, you're doing a, a, a Mad Max kind of you know uh, influence here. At all, uh, Glenn? Did you see that at all? The the, the Mad Max influence in this? Oh, movie? of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I, again, I didn't mind that because uh, I thought I thought the first act of this film, the first chunk of this film, was actually really well done. I mean, even up to the 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 crows. <laughs> Don, what'd you think of the crow seed? The whole zombie crows. You know, having that didn't bother me so much. It it kind of made made sense. Um, in other zombie mythologies, um, specifically Stephen King's The Stand, mm-hmm. the birds were infected by virus because either they were infected because it was cross uh, cross contagious, or like with the crows, they were they were um, eating the infected flesh, which made sense. And then the crows responded the same way that the infected humans responded. So it kind of made sense. But the whole telekinetic blowing up of the crows, yeah, that was... That looked awesome. Completely ridiculous. It it was visually very good, yeah. Oh, it was a completely eye candy moment Mm -hmm. in this film. Uh, But it worked. Uh, I, it works within the re- the setting in this world they have set up at this point. Because I've watched I watched the first three films back to back to get the the feel of this series. And yeah, you know, for at that at this point we've re- reached the point where Alice has these telekinetic powers, and 
she uses them in full force and at least we see that there's a little bit price to pay. Glenn, what'd you think of the crow scene? I want, I, we're jumping a little ahead, but I was wondering what you thought of that, the crow scene and the, the air of fire. Uh, the crow scene um, is about 38 minutes in the movie. Yes. That's what I think about it. <laughs> it, it. In a way, it reminds me of the birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the special effects are about as good as they were in the birds. <laughs> it, it's it's the CG and, and that whole thing is so awful. It, um, it is better than it, the CG in the first two films. I'll say that. Yeah, and <sighs> that's not saying much, but yeah, and you know, just the I, I don't know, just uh, no, no. <laughs> I just that that scene that 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 is a terrible scene. Terrible. Uh, I love I love cheesy scenes like it is so over the top and, and ridiculous. But uh, you know, even before this, as, as Glenn said, it, it's it's uh, later in the movie. But early on, we open up actually with the scene with our uh, girl uh, Alice, and I thought they did something interesting here by recapping uh, the original without actually recapping the first two films uh, by testing what appears to be Alice in a series of challenges, if you will, or uh, because uh, we soon find, yes, this is a spoiler room. It doesn't take long to find out this isn't actually our Alice, but uh, you know, Glenn, I I know you don't like this film, but the way this opened, did you think that was an interesting way to do a recap yet? Not a recap. I like parts of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The little recap is great. Um, I mean, most of the scenes that that are just Alice by herself doing stuff, I actually like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, I mean, for me, it's it's just, I mean, I don't dislike the movie. I just really, really, really dislike The Crow. Um, and there's the uh, uh, shipping container of holding that apparently yes. hold like, like 16,000 <laughs> guys in it. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll get to the container of holding in a little bit, but uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, I, I liked how they played off your expectation though in the beginning, where you got Alice and she's walking through what are the sets basically of the first two films, and then you come to find out, oh no, this is just a clone of Alice uh, that they've been trying to recreate because Alice's body has merged with the T virus that has caused these zombies and given her super mega powers. So, you know, <laughs> Don, what'd you think of it? Did you think it was an interesting way to kind of uh, reintroduce the first two films, but not actually do a clip show in the opening? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, uh, detail-oriented people um, will catch on sooner um, to smaller things like there wasn't the scar on her shoulder the first mm-hmm. time and just small things that are like, Oh wait, no, this isn't the first movie. Right. And and then you don't have to pop out the disc and make sure that you're got the right disc in. Um, <laughs> because that didn't happen to me at all. <laughs> it happened to me too. I, <laughs> I, I started it and I'm like, wait, is this the right? What? Actually she did have the scar in the first one. Um, because uh, when I watched it, but 
no, you're right. The way they did direct that, it's like, wait, wait, I just seen this. Especially when yeah. you watch them back to back, I thought for sure I put the wrong disc in. So you're not the only one. I was like, this seems too familiar. Did I? What? And then and then she hops to the Raccoon City destroyed landscape, and then and then we're like, oh, okay, this is just an obstacle course. So. <laughs> Anyway, I think they were trying to shock the audience by showing, oh, hey, look, we killed off the main character for the first two films. Oh, no, we didn't. Ha ha. Wink, wink. When anyone who has probably known the series knew that wasn't actually Alice. Um, mainly from the trailer, because the trailer had the crow scene in there with the fire in the sky. But <laughs> So, yeah, she's on her own. And uh, later on in the film, right after this, she gets through. We get a little bit of a exposition, a little voiceover of what happened to the world, which is the T-virus not only killed people and made them zombies, but it dried up the world a bit. And then we get our insert redneck cannibal family <laughs> in here, Don. Yeah, what'd we do. What would you think about this scene? I mean, was that any more cliche, though? <laughs> No, I don't think I don't think we could have gotten much more cliche with that one. That one, I watched the commentary and uh, was it the commentary? I think it was commentary, and they were supposed to have like uh, her when she got to the TV station. She was supposed to be like re- reviewing old news footage. But instead, they inserted the cannibal family. Mm. Um, I I don't necessarily think it was an improvement, but <laughs> you know, I do I do like the I did like the dogs. Well, of course, the dogs are in every freaking. <laughs> I don't think I'm not sure they could have gotten the dogs in any other way. No, they couldn't uh, at this point. It makes you wonder how they're going to work the dogs in because uh, the dogs are have been in every film up to this point, and even after that, and that's like. To remind people, hey, this is based off of the Resident Evil video games. In case you forgot, here's the dogs. Um, but I did. I, I like the sequence, though. I mean, while even though it's a it's your cliche cannibal lure people in family, it makes for actually a fun action scene, and uh, you can see Alice has actually come a long way to being more badass uh, than she was. Because in the first one, she actually doesn't do a whole lot of badassery stuff. And the second one, she gets to be a little bit better, but she's got to share uh, the the landscape with Jill Valentine. But this one, you know, she gets to be badass again. Glenn, you said you liked a lot of the solo stuff with Alice. What'd you think of the cannibal family fight? Uh, It's it's a fine, fine scene. I mean, I think the whole, hey, cannibal family is way overdone. Sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, if, if we're going to worry about cliches, we shouldn't be watching most movies ever. Right. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, like you say, I love the scene as well. But, I mean, if you want to get down to brass tacks, it's like, oh, yep. You know what? Uh, you walked right into that. <laughs> it's like, how did you think that this radio station actually had survivors radioing people? But, um, but after that, yeah, she ends up hooking up with... Uh, the uh, caravan where we do get a character from the video game by name pretty much only Claire Redfield is in here played by Allie Larder and uh, yeah and they've got a bitch in convoy and they've got two characters that actually return from the second one LJ played by Mike Epps and uh, Carlos Oliveira who is uh, played by Oded 
fair. I think that's how you pronounce it. I hope I pronounce that. But it, it actually came from uh, the, these two characters actually came from the, the third one because this third one actually takes place years after the second one. Did that kind of surprise you, Glenn, the, the time frame where they uh, took this film? You know, because I mean, the first two were kind of almost back to back, but this one, not so much. I don't know. I didn't put a ton of thought in this film. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I mean it, it's it's a popcorn movie. That's, it is, you know, yeah. And and that's and I watch it as a popcorn movie, so I didn't, you know, think too hard on it. Think too hard on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know I'm a horrible person trying to make people think hard on a film that really is as shallow as a puddle. Um, <laughs> um I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Uh, Don, what would you think of that, though, uh, bringing uh, two of the characters back and, and making it set years later after the uh, second one? Um, as we were kind of chatting before we started this podcast about TV series um, and a little touched on a little bit last night with the Night Flyers, um, one of the nice things about these franchise movies where you have a billion sequels is the fact that you get, you become familiar and comfortable with recurring characters. So we've already had Alice from the first couple movies. And then we have these other two recurring characters, which, you know, don't make it to the fourth one. Um, <laughs> fodder. <laughs> yeah, they are complete fodder in this one. Um, but it is always good to see recurring characters in a franchise because, you know, it can't be all doom and gloom. Even in a zombie movie, it can't be all doom and gloom. <laughs> it can't? What? <laughs> Crazy talk. No, you're right. It, it can't be doom and gloom. And it, it's good that they have that connection because that easier way to work Alice into the bitchin' convoy. Um that's going on in here. And then, yes, they, they decide that they're going to Alaska because Alice found this uh, journal that says, hey, there's an island in Alaska that doesn't have infected. And, you know, everybody's like, hey, you fell for the radio station thing. Are you sure about this one? But they decide, hey, we need something to do. So let's go to Alaska. But first, they got to go to Vegas. We're going to Vegas to get supplies. And what happens in Vegas <laughs> stays in Vegas, and so do pretty much the rest of this caravan stays in Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, we we get if we didn't call some of the cast from uh, the Attack of the Birds, we definitely start getting the calling of the cast here. Because uh, one person we haven't mentioned so far is uh, Jorah. I mean, <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I was I was gonna say the same thing about Mormon. So, dude, dude, dude might be able to get a girl if he sticks within his own age range. I think. I know, right? <laughs> yes, uh, the uh, gentleman who played uh, plays Jura Mormont, uh, Ian Glenn, is in this, 
as Dr. Isaacs. He showed up in the second one. He's an evil doctor who's uh, doing the experiments on Alice and trying to recreate her to see, you know, why she to, to get another super soldier, if you will. But he starts to go a little nutso because the Umbrella Corporation, which is just a bunch of rich guys hiding underneath the bunkers till the uh, infection runs its course, uh, he doesn't like that too much. So he's been experimenting still, and he creates a whole group of aggressive zombies for to fight Alice, I guess. His true motivation behind it, he was supposed to domesticate the zombies, and he's end up making them even more fierce. And he put them in this metal container and, and put it out in Vegas, which, again, we have our hero, and... I, I love Mia Jovovich and I, I love the Alice character, but Glenn, you're driving in the wasteland of Vegas, sand dunes everywhere, except for this one really clean container. So what does Alice do, Glenn? What does she do? Of course they're gonna they have to well, they have to move it. So she walks up to him and she's also and she's like, oh, wait, no. And of course then the doors pop open and the entire state of Oklahoma comes charging out of it. <laughs> I understand that it's a big shipping container, but yeah, there seemed to be a hell of a lot of zombies. And I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, looking at the time frame, he just started making these crazy zombies. Where the frack were they all coming from? Well, not only that, it's, it's, he took the time to dress them all the same. Yeah. They're all, they're all wearing the same like jumpsuits. I'm like, what? That seems excessively time-consuming. <laughs> right? Especially, where did he get all the jumpsuits? <laughs> yeah. They're talking about their supplies are low. They're running out of food and all the hives. And yet, hey, we got, we got this surplus of uniforms in the back. I think I'll just dress my zombies like that before they continually come out of this container. Uh, it, it's just an ultimate recurring spawn point, apparently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it was been, and it gives us a chance to see some, the the ladies in action, both Claire and Alice. Uh, but they do play a little angle, and it's what I liked about this as well. Is not only do we have the recurring characters, but they do explain away a bit of why they split up at the end after the second movie is because she knew she was under surveillance in that. And, uh, yeah, she's got an implant in her, and they flip a switch, don't they, Glenn? They do flip a switch. <laughs> and, she shuts, and she shuts down. And she shuts down, yes. Uh, but what do you think of that explanation, though? Do, do you think that that worked, at least, that they put something in to kind of explain why she went out on her own? Do you think that worked all right? <sighs> Kinda, I don't know. It's you know they they throw it in here just kind of a you know it, this is more like a hey remember that thing yeah, yeah. because I mean in the movie in, in this is just simply well we don't want her to kill every, we need to kill off a bunch of people with our endless zombie horde so we're gonna shut her down for about a minute right because that's pretty much shut her down all right she shut down oh wait the chip just broke in the satellite what. Well, she fries the chip. She fries the chip, but I'm like, you know, it's like, why even, eh, <laughs> why bother? 
Yeah. And also the fact that if you're doing it by satellite, why why do you have to be right there? <laughs> if, I don't really, I never understand the you know what? I'm the big head guy. I'm gonna go into the field. No. 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 This is, what, well, yeah. this is why you have lackeys. Right? I, I thought for sure when he came up that he'd be like a hologram in the tent, you know. And he wouldn't be actually there in a tent near where they unleashed the uh, ever-producing container of zombies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and the whole thing of she, her being controlled is a carryover from the, the second one. You're right. that It's kind of a reminder thing. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's short-lived and they never use it again. Don, what would you think about this whole thing where she was under observation and control at the end of the second one. And that's how they broke up. And then they were able to turn her off, but then she fights the system and they don't visit it. What, what'd you think about that whole little. I, I, I think there? it was, I definitely think it was flawed mm-hmm. um, because what the part I don't get is if, if they can remotely turn her off, no matter where she is, why does the satellite need to have a visual on her in order to do it? Well, because the signal goes through the satellite, and she's been avoiding satellites. They, they, they said that yeah, early, you know. But can't they just like troubleshoot it? <laughs> like, okay, hey, we're gonna turn her off, and then wait for the satellite to go over. Rather well, than waiting for a visual and then trying to turn her off. Well, I think the satellite had to lock onto her. And again, here it is, the spoiler room tradition of exploring things for a very shallow film, probably. Uh, but, no, I, I think uh, she they had to have visual so they could lock on. It had to focus the signal on her. They couldn't just blanket. It had to be, uh, oh, there she is, you know, kind of target her with a, a focus beam from the satellite. And, uh, you know, that, that's why they needed to find, you know, have her visually there. I just under, don't understand, like Glenn said, and this isn't the, other, the only film that's ever done it, where you have your main bad guy who decides to go out in the field and be right next to where the danger is. Well, you know, Jorah has a history of that. Jorah does have a history of that, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, but she, she does confront him. And, uh, yeah, and, and then she goes off and, and uh, leaves the, the f- fodder uh, behind as she goes off trying to chase after him in the building because she knows where he is somehow. Uh, I didn't quite get that, how she knew he was there. They, they I mean, kind of skipped over it. Well, she saw the helicopter, but I'm like, okay, the helicopter's there, but that doesn't mean that he's there, you know? And I think maybe... It, the motivation of her getting the helicopter uh, to take everybody to Alaska, which uh, that plan goes awry. And so they have to come up with a new plan. And conveniently, the two recurring people who we got from the third one, hey, it's great that they're in here. And one turned into a zombie and the other one got bit and is going to turn into a zombie. So they decide to track down the lab, the entrance to the hive where Isaac's been doing the experiments. But they've got a problem. It's surrounded by zombies. So, Don, how do they take care of this problem? More fire. More fire. 
he he makes and the had a very well placed cigarette that at the very beginning of the movie everybody's asking hey do you have a cigarette hey do you have a cigarette no there's no cigarettes here and then hey conveniently there's a cigarette right there after he crashes the truck there is and uh what an explosion it was, which creates the path for them to get into the area where it was, was fenced off. And that's where the part where I said it felt like Day of the Dead. Wow, I just had a very, very horrible, evil th- thought go through my head. Ooh, what's the evil thought? Well, you know, given the actor who was doing this, I feel very dirty saying this, but it was a suicide bombing. Oh, oh, wow, Don. I feel really dirty saying that, but that's what it is. You naughty, naughty person. But it he does, but, you know, he's going to turn into a zombie soon anyway, so he figured he'd go out. That's true. He, he's going out in a, a flame of, of glory, a blaze of glory, if you will. Yeah, that, again, again, poorly thought out. Um, poorly thought out there. Yeah, they should have maybe not had that character specifically do it. Because I think nowadays, yeah. uh, I mean, this was made in um, 2007, 2007, but especially how people pay attention even more. And with the Internet, I think people would have had a major issue oh, with, yeah. <laughs> with this gentleman oh, yeah. being, being the one who has to blow himself up to yeah. save the zombies. Yes. Now that you mention it, yeah, that's poorly thought out. But what got me and Glenn, maybe can you explain this to me? Okay, so they ripped through the fence. Yeah, they ripped through the fence of the, the where all these zombies were like Day of the Dead zombie pushing against the fence. There's a hole in the fence, and yep. they get everybody on the helicopter. It didn't really seem like any zombies came through that hole. No, there were like two like walking across the background, kind of like da 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 Yeah. No, I know. It's it it was interesting and uh, you know, I guess they, they're like, No, we gotta have something for other things. What? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, it's all good now. We're on the helicopter. Wait, no, but what about okay. I'm I mean also curious why there's just like a billion zombies just hanging out there in the desert. Why, why they were attracted there. Yeah. They never really established why the zombies all wanted to get through the fence. I mean, you know, it's not like there was a Bon Jovi concert there or anything. Yeah. So, well, especially yeah. when they, the one who makes a comedy, you know, it's getting too dangerous. You go out and get these things. I'm like, what do you mean too dangerous? You go out, you just throw a rope over the fence. You grab one, you pull them over. Done. I yeah. mean, you know, it's not like you have to travel far to do it. It's just like fishing, you know. But but you know, five thousand zombies can't push down chain link fences, but crows can push bars off of windows. <laughs> yes, and, and push in windows too. Yes. It, well, they. I mean, they throw themselves. They threw themselves at the window. But yeah, that that's the ultimate chain link fence. I. Uh, it's very impressive how it held up to the zombie hordes that, for some whatever reason, were drawn to it. Maybe we're supposed to assume that they have something there that is drawing them to it, but it's never addressed at all, I think, in the film. Is it, Don, at all, that of why the zombie horde was there? Not really. The only, the only possible thing I could think of is, well, the only two possible things I could think of, although there's not, 
it implies that there's not a lot of activity on the surface from that uh, entrance mm -hmm. to hive. But the only other thing it could possibly would be be would be the open pit of Alice bodies. Oh, they're trying to get to the the Alice bodies in the pit. That's the nearest flesh. Yeah, I guess I could see that. And why they keep that as an open pit makes no sense to me. But hey, well, you you would you would think you just torch the body. You would think. I mean, you've well, got they, apparently, they apparently don't rot. No, yeah. right? Unless, well, I don't know. I mean, he the dude can assemble a giant army of aggressive zombies in an hour. So maybe this is just like you know a day's worth of uh, Alice's he's killed off. <laughs> uh, this is just this is just my day crop of of Alice's. Yeah. <laughs> but Alice just manages to get. Uh, uh, Claire and company, the the last remaining uh, survivors uh, into the helicopter. They fly away, and then she goes confronts Isaac, who uh, has been bitten himself at one point by a zombie, and now has mutated into uh, something with tentacle arm. Uh, <laughs> and you know what's crazy about this film is just how they just nonchalantly i mean glenn did you know genetic mutation and research was just this quick and easy oh yeah i mean i, I mean i i am growing another foot right now it just started at the beginning of the podcast and it's almost complete you know it, it comes with built-in <laughs> built-in springs that i can launch myself across a canyon so oh, yeah it's, awesome. it's, it's it's pretty easy to do <laughs> I, I just I'm just using common household chemicals too, a box, a box, a box of Cheerios, uh, some Windex, and uh, cotton balls. That's all you need. It's it's apparently all you need in here. Uh, <laughs> you totally made me forget. That. <laughs> I, now I'm just picturing your foot with springs. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Now, now I want that, but. Yeah, I mean, genetics in general, even though this has been, I think they implied maybe five years since the events of number two. Uh, Don, did it impress you how quickly they're able to grow the clones and also just how he just tosses the antivirus and mutates it and, you know, genetically alters it? I mean, they really play fast and loose with any type of science, don't they? They really do. Um is as far as the is as far as the clones, yeah, I I don't. Granted, I'm not a a scientist or a geneticist, um, but I don't think I I don't know I don't know. how far in the future is this I don't know is there technology can we can we assume for the sake of the story that if they have technology sufficient to create this many clones that they have a way for rapid growth. It, suspend your disbelief. Um, as far as the genetic mutations to the T virus, I was getting the impression that it was mostly mistakes he was making to get to the uber evil zombies. Oh, okay. um, while he was actually trying to create a way to control them, he actually found a way to make them worse. Right. I got you. So his, his experiments actually from domesticating them weren't that. And then there's the whole, uh, since it's gone through so many different bodies and that, since he was bit, 
he he's mutated now thanks to the antivirus, which isn't too antivirus, which makes him super healing, ugly super soldier mutant. Well, and and that's another question. The antivirus didn't appear to be working, Mm -hmm. but then uh, his assistant, whoever the heck that other guy was, shot him in the heart and killed him. Right. He just shot him. Well, I think that's what may have sparked his mutation. Yeah, definitely. What I suspect. Uh, And now, don't get me wrong. And as you heard me on the podcast before, I don't need everything laid out. But when you're dealing with stuff like this, some just even a, a short comment of something to help at least go, okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but they they really don't have much of that in here. It's just you take it at face value, but at the same time, your brain's going, wait a minute here. Um, you, you, you know, with, with all of the science in here, especially, yes, it, it's super advanced. I understand that. But still, I just, I don't know. I, I Watching them, like I said, back to back to back like that, it actually doesn't get any better for the explanation of, of you want it to make sense in its own mythology and it yes. and for for to respect your audience and viewership it ought to make sense within its own mythology you, you should follow your own rules i mean or have rules of some sort even if they're loose, but they don't really have that do they glenn they don't i mean they never really establish like what is the way of things and i think you you need that a little bit for a film like this don't you a little bit yeah i mean it it it, it would it would be nice something yeah i mean there's some things it's like well what why is this happening like this and i mean there's other things too that it just i i hate i hate when when they say things like you know oh we're running out of food it's like um Maybe if Mormont would stop wasting all of your supplies and maybe clone a freaking pig or two instead, you wouldn't be so damn hungry. Instead, he's using all your resources to make about a thousand Alice's. Right? I mean, you and he could grow them quickly too. Apparently, because, because they, you, you can't just whip up a chicken. The chicken would go way faster than an Alice. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking you could do like a chicken in like three minutes. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm picturing an equation of how many chickens equal one Alice for cloning resources. Uh, 15.372. <laughs> if you don't make roosters. Uh, you don't need roosters. You no, know, you just need chickens. That's right. <laughs> it, the chickens will lay the eggs and will know that the chicken came before the egg. That's right. You know, the chickens will lay the eggs. And just don't make zombie chickens. Because <laughs> uh, they'll try to chase you. And, and they can't fly too well. So the zombie chickens. But still, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, you think he would have been able focusing his more. But he's, he's obsessed with Alice. They, they play it a, some weird twisted romance thing almost. I don't know if it's a romance or if he's just in awe of her power. I'm not sure which one, Don. What, what, what do you think with Dr. Isaac's obsession with Alice? Do you think it's just because he's trying to figure out why she is able to not be infected? Or do you think there's something more a little bit underneath the surface? And uh, that gets Possession, you- maybe. Mm-hmm. 
maybe he feels because he's the head because he's the head of the science department that that did this whole thing he i i i think he feels that he is she is his personal property his his um his um mental property his His trophy sure that would work too. <laughs> he, she is a success that he made because mm-hmm. he was in charge of the Alice project. Right. So I, I don't think it's necessarily romance. I think it's more possession. Ah. Uh-huh. So he's not. He doesn't have the same same feelings like he had for Khaleesi. He's he's got a whole different group of obsession. Yeah, she's his property. <laughs> yeah. She she's not Umbrella's property. She's his property. Yes. Just like most of the zombies as well. Mm-hmm. So uh we we'll wrap it up here. Uh, folks, yes, I, I might be digging deeper into a film that it probably deserves, but that that's what I like to do and explore these things. And one of the things uh that caught me at the end though is We've we've talked about how they play fast and loose with the with the science and how for me most of this film was good except to the very end. And the reason I I say that is because she she gets down there in the lab and mutant mutant uh, Jorah is down there with his tentacles on his arm and she meets now the was it the White Queen I think she, it is. Uh-huh. Um, who is the sister of the Red Queen. Now, the Red Queen was the computer in the uh, first film, uh, and she was modeled after uh, a kid uh, from one of the creators, I think, and she was kind of the evil one. Well, But she wasn't really evil, but she was. She was just kind of neutral. And so now she has the White Queen, who is her sister, who's also an AI in this hive. And you could tell from, like, when she meets the White queen on glenn this is just a whole setup for the next film isn't it oh yeah it absolutely is you know and i i how how do you feel about when a film does that then you know does that take you away from from the film maybe because there you you can tell it's just really obvious it it depends on how heavy-handed it is Mm -hmm. there there are films that exist out there that it's just like, well, that was just an hour and 40 minute long trailer for the next movie. Right. This one doesn't feel like that. I mean, you get that bit at the end. Yeah. But it's in, in some ways in, in movies like this, it's kind of expected that there's be something to link to another movie. Sure. Um, especially once, once you're into, you know, two and three, you're like, they're going to keep this going. Of course <laughs> they are. Even, even when they say, you know, even if it's called, you know, if this movie was called, Resident Evil, the last one we'll ever make. We promise it'll never happen again. And the ending would be a cliffhanger of some sort. <laughs> Oops. Yep. Uh, Don, Don, we, were wrong. <laughs> we were wrong. We were wrong. We wanted more money. What about yeah. you, Don? Does it take you away from a film when, when they just set it up like that for a, a film, you know, for a, a, the next film? And how do you think uh, Extinction handled that? Um, it, it doesn't necessarily take, take me away from mm-hmm. the film. I think, um, I, I get your point. It, it does feel kind of like they were going so well with one kind of movie. Um, most of the movie was 
very deliberately done in the bright sunshine, away from the dark tunnels, away from the nighttime uh, filming, um, which was a huge departure from the way the first two films were were mm-hmm. filmed. First two movies were filmed, um, and then and then all of a sudden, boom! Now we're down in uh, the underground. Uh, laboratories of the of umbrella were right back to where we were and and it was like it it was like going into a completely different movie right away from there so it would it did make sense to segue into a cliffhanger to the next one right and and like i said for me i i think that's why this one is my favorite is one because you get some really cool badass female uh, uh scenes in here especially in the opening with alice just by herself which i could watch a whole movie with just alice by herself i mean uh the last the final chapter that came out re, uh this year i enjoyed the first like 15 minutes of the movie because it was just alice it was just alice kicking ass and fighting fighting you know leftover zombies in the desolate wasteland of dc uh and i loved that I, I could almost watch that rather than her always trying to, you know, join up with someone or, or ends up continually going to the hive. I mean, it'd just be cool to watch a movie, I think, with her surviving. And most of it, you know, most of this is kind of like that. But, yeah, we get to this part where she goes down in the hive for her revenge and we get the White Witch, uh, the White Queen, and we get the final scene because uh, she finds her clone and then she finds her army of clones. I mean, not just... Not just like a couple left over. Jorah was busy. He was very. <laughs> How many clones were in there, Don? Oh God! <laughs> I mean, and like I said, they seem like they grow awfully quick. Though I guess if they can clone someone, I guess they can control the growth. But it was like, wow! It really felt that cliffhanger for me felt like it was a bit off the rails. What would you think? with that <laughs> do you think it fit within the way the movie was going or uh, do you think that was just a little bit over the top it it with all the clones you mean yeah with, the, yeah, with all the clones the very it, end it makes sense i mean there were what I, I believe the body count in the pit was 93 alice's and it made sense that he would consider them disposable Mm-hmm. If he had a surplus of that many, so it, it kind of did make sense. Yeah, I, I, I guess for me, I just thought it was a little excessive. <laughs> Glenn, how about you? That many Mia Jovoviches uh, created? Uh, did, does that seem a little excessive <laughs> for within the film? Oh, for within the film? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Not for your personal, no, no. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, we love, I, I, I think that the sheer number they showed at the end there, I'm like, really? I'm like, dude, dude it's like, they, budgetary constraints. We're out, we can't afford a can of beans because we made 16,000 clones that this dude just kills at random because he wants to. Because he's got some sick let's kill her fetish because I want to copy her, but you know, she's gotta be able to get through this maze thing that death maze that I made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and and for, from here, the the series for me actually uh, doesn't get much better. Um, actually, a lot of things they come up with later on in the other uh, uh, movies uh, felt a bit. I think the word is I'm not bad. I'm bad with words, but contrived. <laughs> maybe um forced uh stuff that didn't make even more sense of how they brought some characters back who had totally died in like the first two films um you know michelle rodriguez i believe it is they bring her back later on in the series but yeah you know for me out of the whole series i think i like this one because this was the one that was the least dealt with the least amount of a handling of the main storyline of Umbrella is evil and Alice has to go get a revenge. It almost felt like there were almost two films within this movie. Uh, you know, it, the first two acts were one film, and then that last act was a third film, uh, you know, a second film for me. And, and that's the only real huge problem I had with it. As Glenn said, it's a popcorn film, and we've dove into it probably far more than we probably should have. Uh, just a quick budget thing because uh, we did cover it in the other third times of charms film. You can kind of see why they were still making these um, because the first one made 60 million domestically. And that was like uh, double its budget back. But as they got a bit more expensive, they, they made their money back. Number two made 51 mil. Number three made 50 mil. But you can see where this is going. Number four made 42 mil. Number five made 40 mil. <laughs> Glenn, you care to take a gander of how much it made this last one? 36. You are $10 million off. $26 million. Wow. Right. <laughs> the final chapter made $26 million. Half of what the first film did. Now, this is domestic numbers. So you're sitting there going, well, Okay, Mark, why are they still making the sequels? Because the, uh, worldwide, the profit increased. First Resident Evil made $103 million. This is all just numbers according to uh, Box Office Mojo. Uh, the first movie made $103 million. The last movie worldwide, even though it made $26 million domestically, made $312 million worldwide. <laughs> It's nice to know that morons aren't just native to our country. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, it, it is a really weird thing to where the domestic box office goes down, but the worldwide goes up. And, you know, it could be them fudging numbers or something. I'm not sure. Or playing their, their Hollywood numbers. But in any case, it just was a weird trend I found. I'm like... Well, I guess that explains it, and uh, we'll wrap it up here. We'll just drop that. Yes, folks, even though there was the final chapter, where it is this year, soon after the final chapter wrapped and showed and did poorly, they're going to reboot the series. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. Uh, Don, what do you think about them rebooting the series? I, I I reboot the series without Mila. Yes, that, that doesn't make sense. I, know, I mean, right? seriously, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. 
I know because she is actually, especially with the later films, I'll be totally honest. She was the only reason I watched the later films because I liked watching, I, I like her as well, an actress and she actually and kicked ass. She grew, she grew with the movie. She didn't get younger. She didn't stay the same. Mm-hmm. She's a good female aging action star that can still kick ass. Right. Yeah, because this is over. This series uh, spans like fifteen years. They've yeah. been making these, you know. So yeah, <laughs> there, there's yeah. You're you're right. I mean, and and like I said, I like her in the role. I I think the scripts, uh, the stories she's been given uh, for this uh, really have been, you know, lacking. As the as the series went on to where they just went to be a some CGI video game fest, you know she's as she's as old as I am, and she's still yeah she's in her forties yeah she and, she's in her forties we need more we need more stars like like her kick ass still very not just not just used as a sex symbol but as an action star mm-hmm. we need more of those I. I agree on that. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Glenn? Would I mean I, I know this series isn't the the best at all, but without Mia, do you think a reboot would even have a chance? Why would you watch it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe a reboot. You know, ten years from now, when it's like, well, okay, she can't play the role. Mm-hmm. But even then, I don't understand why. I mean, she kind of is. I mean, I don't understand that. No, it doesn't make sense. No, it, it doesn't. And uh, I guess because someone did a, asked her a question on it, and she said, uh, good luck with that, I believe, uh, were her words or something along that lines. You know, no, no one's approached her about it. She said she'd love to do another one because she likes being in the world, and she enjoys the character, and you can tell she does. And she's the reason why many people went to see these films is just solely because of her. They didn't even really care about the story. It's because of her character and the fact that she showed she her character develops over the series and gets more powers and just gets more badass as she goes along, even though she is getting older, which usually is not good in Hollywood. So the fact she's still kicking ass, you know, at at what. And I, me personally, and no one here on the panel, but Hollywood standards, if you will, you you would not, you know, they would start to maybe pass her over just specifically looking at the age. But she's showing that, no, no, I can still do this. There's many strong female characters out there. You need to give a chance. And so, yeah, I don't. Yeah, you have male care. You have male actors still playing action roles that they're entirely too old for at the age of 60 and 70. What, and a woman is, con- yeah. And a woman is considered too old at 40. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I say Mila, keep doing it. <laughs> I, I will not sure if about a reboot, but if she was in it, I would see it. But yep. She, she became the face of this franchise. Her character, her strong female character who kicked major ass throughout this entire series is the reason why people went to see these films. And if you do a reboot without her... Okay, you know, let's, let's, let's draw a comparison here. 
mm-hmm. another actor playing Wolverine. It is never going to happen. Right? Same yeah. smell. Mm-hmm. It, 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 is the, it is the same. It, it is exactly the same. Uh, you, you're not going to get someone who's going to play Wolverine anymore. You aren't. I don't foresee that happening. And if they do a reboot, they should not bring an Alice character into it at all. They shouldn't even really do a reboot, at least not, you know, talk about it eight months after your final chapter hit the theaters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't dig this trend, you know, uh, of these movies like, oh, we got a reboot now. We, we finished this one. Now we're going to start over again. <laughs> just, ah, it frustrates me so. And uh, so, Yeah. So we're going to go down the line. We'll wrap it up here as with always with the third time's a charm. We ask our panel here, though you can probably gather what they're going to say. If for the film franchise, if third time was a charm, Don, how about you? Oh, absolutely. I like this one. Um, not a perfect film, not by any stretch. I'm sure if I really wanted to, I could find or make up, invent some sort of depth and, you know, I could make a good argument, possibly even believable, but that would take a really lot of work, and it's really not a deep film. Yeah. But fun and worth watching. Grab a beer and a popcorn. Yep, I, I would agree on that. And Glenn, how about you? Third time's a charm? Mm. If I just want to have a mind-numbing, eat some popcorn experience... It's it's no, it's more of a ch not not a full charm but ch <laughs> I could get I could get that far behind it so okay third times the ch third times the ch <laughs> nice I like that and for me a uh, third time yes is a charm as I mentioned previous uh, this is my favorite of the franchise and especially watching them back to back this one as far as story goes and the way the characters are and everything. I think it's the one that sits best with me. And I think it's because it's the one that has the least amount to do with the whole umbrella conspiracy. It sounds weird, but it it's true. I almost look at this as being its own film and, and you could just, you could pretty much just watch this one and not be lost. Really? Uh, you, you don't necessarily need to watch the first two. Um, to, to follow what's going on in this one. And I, I kind of like that uh, quite a bit, even though there's references to the previous films, they, they catch you up pretty good on it. And yeah, for me, third time's a charm. So you got two third times a charms and one third time's a ch. So uh, take that for what it's worth. We're going to cha-cha out of here. But first, I'm going to have you listen to my panel as they can tell you where you can find them at when they're not here. Don, go ahead. You can find me in the audience.net. And Glenn? You cannot find me there, um, but you can find me on YouTube with the B Movie Bunker, which uh, October is coming, so I'll actually post something there for the first time in three months. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, check out GuyInABunker.com or just follow me on Twitter at GuyInABunker. You can also check out my gaming podcast uh, that I do with the amazing Brad Ludwig on Sundays with Galactic Netcast. That would be the Adventure Party. Yes, uh, excellent stuff there. Check out October. Definitely, Glenn is a beast with his reviews in October, and uh, looking forward to that. And Don does some fantastic written work 
for her reviews and far better than I could ever do in written. Uh, my wife just makes me sound really good uh, with my written reviews because if I just posted my written stuff that wasn't looked over by her, uh, I'd probably be, uh, yeah, set on fire probably because it's just bad by, by all the grammar police in the world would just descend upon me. I want to thank you for listening to us talk about Resident Evil Extinction. Please subscribe, write, and comment to us on iTunes as well. And now this is the point where we say good night, everyone. Say good night. Good night, everyone. Hey, all my spoiler group friends out there, if you like what you hear, why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment, and even subscribe to our channel. It always helps us out. Or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. You can drop us a tweet on the Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro. Look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.